This story I'm going to tell you, though it sounds like it could be about wolves, isn't. It's not even a story about bumps in the night or a terrifying storm. It's just a ghost story. Part of what makes it so frightening is that it's true. A relaying of unexpected events within a room, no, within a town full of people. With more witnesses than we can count, it was an experience that defied all reality. A recorded testimony about an unexplained, uncanny manifestation of a spirit that not only scared those presents, but changed their lives completely from then forward. It's a phenomenon so weird that it started, startled an entire city and started an entire movement. So tell me, you scared yet? Because I think you should be. Now, I can't say that it was a dark and stormy night because according to the story, it happened in the middle of the day. Night, actually, no, it happened early. Did the room get dark? Did the lights go out? We don't know. But what we do know is that there were a lot of people gathered and they were talking together casually in one room when suddenly a huge reverberating sound filled the entire house. It sounded like the howling of a fierce wind, like a twister or a foghorn, maybe the sound of wailing in a wind tunnel. There wasn't a moan, not a shriek, but a howling, loud, low, and deep. The sound shook the shutters. And then, what looked like blinding flames of light lit upon each head of those gathered, lighting up their faces in a bright, eerie, fiery glow, while their bodies were infused with the spirit, which then caused them to speak in languages not their own. There wasn't a wheezy board, there wasn't no seance, no bumps in the night, but a phenomenal supernatural occurrence that could not be explained. That room was filled and that spirit filled them all <clears throat> one could have said perhaps as Scrooge did once that they eat something unusual maybe some magical mushrooms or something a little undercooked maybe a disease ridden locust perhaps and engaged in some communal trip except that others heard it too. People walking by, neighbors, people on the street, those all around the city, which were filled with pious Jews from every nation who were living in Jerusalem, which was it seemed a melting pot of cultures at the time. They all heard it. And they rushed to the house wondering what the hell was going on. What was that sound? What was howling? Howling howling bright fiery light and the sound of murmuring in languages that weren't their own a cacophony of voices rising and spilling into the streets galileans who whose native language was greek and whose religious language was hebrew began speaking and everyone could hear in any language that was their own languages they understood languages of the nations languages of the world not just hebrew or greek or even aramaic but the Romans could hear the Latin. The Phoenicians heard Phoenicians. There was Parthians, Medeans, Akkadians, Phrygians, Coptics, Persians, Cappadocians, and Arabs. They all could hear their home dialect being spoken. 
All recounting of the works of God are not just on behalf of the Jews, but for everyone in the world. At that time, just before the festival, and even on a regular basis, Jerusalem had become a melting pot, a nation, a city among nations, where Jews and others from all other nations of the known world would come to live and to worship. They tended to huddle together to keep in their own little corners of town. Most spoke Greek as their lingua francia, which means their main language, but they each spoke their own languages at home. Now they heard this room full of people speaking in a way that they could all recognize. Everyone heard their own language. Every person felt personally addressed. Some of it was passed off as a party crowd. Maybe they were drunk in the morning, but who could, but it wouldn't explain the crowd, what the crowd was hearing. Wine can make you a little bit relaxed. In fact, there's even evidence that getting just a little bit tipsy when you know another language will help you pronounce it better. But it usually doesn't endow you with completely supernatural powers. Then filled with the spirit, Peter, always their spokesperson, shouted to the crowd a prophecy that had come to pass, a prophecy that chilled their, them to their very bones. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on the people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoke of cloud. The sun will be changed into darkness and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. From then on, those within the room would go, on, go out prophesying and proclaiming the mission of the vision of God to the, anyone who would listen. What happened to them that day in that house of Jerusalem? We may never know for sure, but we but it had to do with that spirit. Not just any spirit, but the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit as promised. The Holy Spirit of Christ that touched them, filled them, changed them, and sent them to do the will of God in ways we can't even imagine. In dynamic ways, spectacular ways, founding his very church. From then on, they would go out and heal, preach, raise the dead, found our churches, form communities, break traditions, and form a new way of living. They would proclaim the gospel of Jesus even in the face of threat, torture, beatings, and death. They weren't just assured. They weren't just encouraged. They weren't merely uplifted or in prayer or having a particularly spiritual day. They were changed fully, completely, permanently changed from the inside out by a spirit so powerful that it not only touched them, but altered their very hearts and minds. This was no ordinary day. This was no ordinary spirit. They were infused, impassioned, motivated, empowered by this experience, and their message was for the nations, not simply for the Jews. Otherwise, they would have only spoken in Hebrew, not just for Jerusalem or Judea, or even including Galilee. Otherwise, they would have spoken Aramaic or Greek. This was a message for the nations, for all of creation. A message of power, a message of hope, a message of authority, sovereignty, and scope. No one was left unseen. 
no one was left untouched. We might think as we read about this phenomenal ghost story that it's the only one, but the Bible is full of these ghost stories with supernatural phenomenon, but this one touches us in a way like no other. This would not be the last time that this spirit would go infusing a gathering. Jesus' disciples and later Paul preached often to groups of Gentiles who then were equally touched by the Holy Spirit and empowered with healing and with hope. Every convert would be baptized both with water and with that spirit entered into community and included in the growing masses who recognized Jesus as Lord and Savior. And once touched, the spirit would become a lifelong companion, a guide, and a teacher. Christianity is not born of rational fact, historic tradition, proofs, and dogmas. Christianity is born of a ghost story, one with such impact and such greatness that it transformed an entire communities, towns, peoples, and nations, and created a new community called Ecclesia. It created the church. Wherever those are gathered, the spirit may touch down. Can you feel that spirit around you? Can you feel the power of God amidst you? Can you hear that spirit calling and howling in your ears and see the light of Christ with your own eyes? Can you feel your heart skip a beat and your mind try to deal with the paradox of what it means to be touched by that spirit? No one is immune from the baptism of the spirit. But we have to be willing to experience it. We have to be willing to see with our own spiritual eyes and hear with our own spiritual ears. We have to be open to the phenomenal, the supernatural, the impossible, to the idea of a ghost who can touch us and change us. We have to be open and willing to change and to be changed. Open your hearts to the possibility of the howling in your heart and change in your life. See what happens. I dare you. Scared yet? You should be. There are Jews in the world. There are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons and then there are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them. How's your faith these days, Father? Fie Jesu Domine, Dona Eis Requiem. Oh, Lord, oh, you are so big. So absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. Today, our better uh, maid, or... I don't even know the way I want to say it. Anyway, uh, it's the first reading of today that is the big marker. Uh, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. All right. And then you can go back into the gospel, which is what I'm going to read for you now. John, chapter 14, verses 8 through 17 and 25 through 27. It's all sorts of extra stuff they kind of do every once in a while that finishes off 
the concept of the gospel. Well, smart people did this. I just nod my head and read it and then tell you what I think about it. But today's Pentecost, so happy Pentecost, people. Let's get into it. John chapter 14, verses 8 through 17, 25 through 27. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you this whole, all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the ones who believe in me will also do the work that I do. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name and so that the Father will be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it is neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything, and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. And that's the reading. Now, that's not the cool, awesome reading for Pentecost, but I'm going through the gospel right now. All the gospels as they line up. And then when we're done with that, I'm going to start going through the rest. It's just a process. It's a process. And I'm going to be talking about every single bit like a sermon because that's that's you can do it for any piece of the readings. But I really suggest you guys really, really like enjoy that idea of this this spirit that can come and, you know, be in your life if you listen. Because we don't do enough of that. We keep listening to ourselves and not to that little tiny, tiny voice of God. Anyway, I love you all. I want you all to take care. I want you to cherish each other. I want you to get out there and do the good trouble. And for everything else, may the spirit of God be with you. Always, you ducking disciples, let's go. Have fun. I'm going to stop talking now. Bye.